We are glad you're here. We really are. You can know that in this place, well, it's a place where you can be loved. No matter who you are, no matter where you've come from. And you, you can know that you have a lot in common with the people around you because we don't have it all together. But we serve a God that leads us. And so together we follow. I'm going to be talking about that as we take a look at our Scripture. And if you have um, an app on your phone or maybe you've got your Bible with you today, I want us to look at Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. And I want you to hear Paul's conflicted struggle, his, his struggle with wanting to do the right things, but feeling incapable. Maybe, maybe you felt that way. Let's look at those verses together. He starts out and he says, so the trouble is not with the law. One of the things he wants us to know is that the law was provided as a form of guidance. It was, it was meant to be a tutor, but in and of itself is not salvation. And so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am too human, a slave to sin. I, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I'm with you, Paul. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. He's, he's being honest about who he is and his limitations. And I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong. But I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at work with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. He is struggling with his honesty and his vulnerability. He's laying it out there. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he comes to some resolution. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he, he ends well. But oh, how conflicted. Oh, the struggle is real. Let's pray together. God, we recognize our own struggle. 
there, there are some ten- intentions about us that we know are good and, and we long to do what is right, but we so often seem to come up short. And so we need your help. So help us to understand who we've been, who we are, and who you're calling us to be. Lord, I pray that you will give us open hearts, every one of us, to give us strength to reveal honestly our wrong and then help us to look toward that goal you have set for us, to be like Jesus. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Do you ever feel like you're heading down the journey of the Christian life, feeling relieved that certain issues are behind you, and you've, you've to a good extent, overcome some, some bad habits or ways of thinking or attitudes, and then, bam, one of them shows back up. Maybe it's a selfish thought that darts through your mind or or maybe you you've said something to someone that you love and, and it's been hurtful and, and you knew better or, or maybe you stepped back into a, a bad habit that is self-destructing and it affects the people around you I I thought about this this morning. It's not in my notes, which is scary. But I, I thought about it this morning, how um, when I had just moved to Statesboro, Georgia, and I was starting a new pastorate, and it was Saturday night, and I was kind of getting revved up, and I was ready to go for the message. Sunday morning arrives, and my son was home uh, from college, and he did not park. It was a new home. We were in a new parsonage. It was new to us. And he had parked in a, in a place where... Well, let's just say, when I backed the truck up, I didn't see him, and boom! I mean, I messed up my truck, and I messed up that used Volvo. And I had to call the insurance company. And be honest, I got to tell you, I messed up my Honda Ridgeline, and I crashed it into my son's car and there was a long silence and she said sir that's not good (laughs) and she said but I've got some good news we're not going to claim that as two accidents you get to use the same deductible for both cars and I said praise the Lord that's great but I had affected my vehicle I had affected his vehicle ultimately I had affected my insurance rates and there are times in our lives where maybe something we did in the past resurfaces and we think I thought I was done with that what was I thinking I should have learned from that. We're in this series, and it's been pretty awesome in the sense that we fielded ideas from you. We said, what are some things that you feel would be good message topics, questions 
that could be raised honestly that maybe you're dealing with. And a couple of weeks ago, we dealt with why do bad things happen? A timeless question, but I, I think we took a good swing at it. And then uh, we, we dealt with um, uh, two weeks ago, does consuming our culture have an effect on us in terms of our discipleship, in terms of our morality and decisions, and, and how does it affect our decision-making? And, and so today, the question is raised, if I'm saved, if I'm saved as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in God, why do I keep sinning? If I'm saved, why do I keep sinning? And that is a great question, and I think whoever raised it, well, it shows that there is a desire to move in a better direction. And so bringing our questions to God and bringing them to the church is important. And, and what it does is it points us to good things, and that question says that, that there is a desire to be more obedient, to avoid hurting God, violating God's law, and being more pleasing to God, and having more self-control, and adding positive, thing to, positive things to other person's lives. And so, great question. If I'm redeemed by Jesus Christ, then why do I keep struggling with sin? Well, I want to make a first affirmation, and that is this. You are forgiven because of the cross of Christ and the work of atonement, at one that Christ has provided for us, we are redeemed and we are forgiven. And so it doesn't matter what you've done or who you are, if you confess, and we'll talk about that, and believe in the work of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. We say that at communion. You are forgiven. Lock that in your mind because that's important. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so understanding that you are forgiven, that you've been given a clean slate, is foundational. The gospel of redemption through Jesus Christ is, is foundational in understanding who we are, and the potential for who we can become. And that we are forgiven. And so know that. Celebrate that the work of Christ on the cross was once and for all. And it was sufficient. It's important to remember that, to carry that with you. You have been imputed is a good theological word you have been given something you did not deserve but you are a recipient and so claim that claim that and so as we go to this question i want you to know that you are forgiven but why is it that if i'm saved if all of that is true tim that i keep sinning and i want to share with you that because we're human beings we do not stop making 
mistakes. We don't stop failing and coming up short in certain situations. I ne- sometimes we, we fail intentionally. Sometimes we fail unintentionally. I never intended to back into my son's car. i got to share that with you. But it was a mistake. It was a human error. And so if people could stop sinning, doing that which is wrong, by just deciding alone, we'd know a lot of perfect people. If it was just down to deciding to stop. But no one stops sinning even after they're saved. No one. I sure don't. Even when I put forth my best effort. And that's where I think the struggle came for Paul. Because in Romans seven fifteen he says, I don't really understand myself. Have you ever had that feeling? <laughs> For I want to do what is right. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And he goes on to explain that there is a will that comes into play that is important, that deciding But the reality is, as long as I am in the flesh, as long as I am a human being, I am going to sin. Jesus helps us with this. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I believe that runs parallel to what Paul is is saying. Now, there is a sense in which we need to be intentional in trying to do some corrective work in our lives. And, And part of our role is a word we talked about in confirmation today, to repent. It simply means to turn from, to turn from destructive ways, to turn from ways that dehumanize others that break relationships, that violate others around us and in our community. And and that's where I think Paul speaks to the church at Philippi and he says, look, I've not reached perfection. I'm trying to do the best I can. I know I haven't measured up completely, but I press on. I, I press on towards the high goal of Jesus Christ, the prize. And so there are a couple of things that can be helpful if I'm saved, then why not I keep sinning? Well, one of the things that can keep us from sinning is, is to work on our intention, in our volition and will, choosing righteousness, recognizing that we've got to turn away from certain things and look toward where we want to go. To be like Jesus. And the other is to position ourselves to be successful in allowing God, and we'll talk about this, to eradicate and remove the sin in our lives as much as possible. Colossians 3, 1, 5 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart, that's that intentional part, set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let Christ be your focus. Set your heart 
on Christ and his righteousness and put to death, turn away, repent of those things that belong to your earthly flesh nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You know, I think of a, if you would, a, a larger picture, the nation of Judah and King Asa. And in the scripture, you can find in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles a documenting of how he reigned over Judah for 41 years. And the scripture says he did what was right in the eyes of God. He did what was right. He was a righteous king. And King Asa, one of the things he did is he purged from his immediate area the idols to other gods. And he removed them. And even his mother-in-law was in charge of some idolatry and he had it removed. That was a big step. And, 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 and so he does away with, with the idols that are around him. But recorded later, it says... But he failed to remove the idols from the high places. In other words, distant from him, but still in the realm of the region of his governance. And people were still going and worshiping in these high places, these places where altars were built for other idols. And he did not eradicate all of them. And it would cause problems. It is important for us to turn from that which is destructive and to follow after Jesus and to be careful that we seek to allow God to remove those high places. It's kind of like the little girl that, well, her father heard a thump and heard her wailing, and he went into the bedroom, and he walked up to her and said, baby, and he started comforting her, and, and he said, what, what happened? And she said, I fell out of the bed. Well, well, what would have made you fall out of the bed? And she said, well, I guess I fell asleep too close to where I got in. When we get in, to a relationship with Christ, it's important for us to move forward. Some of us may have fallen asleep right where we got in. So today coming out of here, I, I guess I want you to hear this, that, that you are forgiven and that there is an imputed righteousness. There's a gift given to you in God's grace maybe you didn't deserve and because you're in human flesh because you're a human being just like me you're going to fail you're going to make mistakes but there is something important in terms of our will and our intention to turn toward Christ and maybe today is that day for you where you can say Lord I want to be more like you I want to move from where I just got in to a great place of becoming 
like you. Sometimes that means that we've got to rid ourselves, put ourselves in a position of success. Maybe if your friends have a bad influence on you, you need to break away from them. I know one girl that actually moved to another community to detach from some of the influences that did not help her in breaking some of her old ways. And then I have some good news. Not only is there saving grace in the work of Christ in that moment where you receive a gift that you didn't deserve, but that gift is still alive and working today. And John Wesley called it sanctification. And it's the result of continued prayer and confession and surrender and seeking strength through the power of God. I need to share with you, in and of myself, I can't stop sinning. But I know something that can help me to curtail it. I know something that can give me strength in the face of temptation, and that is the presence of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There is the victory. It's when we come to that realization that in and of ourselves, we do not have the power to remove sin from our lives. We do not have the power to overcome it in a practice, but we do, in partnership with God, call upon His power to do something supernatural in us. Through sanctification, we become stronger. And we continue to turn back toward Christ. Some reading out of Galatians and Ephesians says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Paul was conflicted. But here is a place where he comes to a better understanding. Let the Spirit guide your life. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so that that two part of the equation in living for Christ and becoming a new creation is that we say, God, remove that from me, which is wrong. Help me to identify that and work with you as you pull that out of my life, that old self. And then, Lord, I ask that you would put in me the virtue. See, it's a both end. The virtues, the characteristics of Christ and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might do good works. Not as a root of my salvation, but as a fruit of my salvation. I like the image of a balloon. Think about a balloon in your spiritual life. I know it's a stretch, but think about how balloons are filled. You may take your own breath and fill that balloon and tie the knot 
and air is contained. And if you want to keep it afloat, what do you do? You have to kind of hit it, right? And it hits you in the face. And then you hit it again with your hand and you tap it to keep it up. But when the Holy Spirit comes and fills our lives, it's like helium. And you talk with a really high voice. No. You have it filled and it has a buoyancy and a lift and an elevation to it where you're not striving so much as you're simply living as the Spirit resides in you. So today, maybe you're conflicted like Paul. I know I am. If I'm saved, if I'm redeemed, why do I keep on sinning? Well, there's good news. You're not alone. And that there's power and victory in the presence of Jesus Christ. For we are more than overcomers. And power can be available. And that power allows us to overcome our sin. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you're a God that never gives up on us. We are still a work in progress. And Lord, we just ask that you would help give us that desire through your grace, a willingness to rid ourselves with your power of that that holds us back and infuse in us that same spirit that allows us to live like you. It's in the name of the one who said, Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak.